one of the more interesting things I, I contemplate from a personal perspective is you know, when I engage in a given activity, let's say it's being a father and uh, my daughter is, uh, she'll be 12 uh, this year. And the other day she said, dad, sometimes I want to cry and I don't know why. It's just, I just want to cry. And she said, that's, this is what it feels like to be a girl. And she said, you may not have that experience. I said, you're right. I don't experience a desire to cry. And so I don't know what that feels like. And it was a wonderful moment in her trying to bridge her reality with my reality and mm -hmm. calling attention to the fact that I may be missing out on a substantial portion of her lived experience of what it means to have emotions and, and how she was expressing this to me. And brain interfaces offer the ability to potentially identify information about ourselves and each other that we don't have today. And so again, I, I know that this question, you, you know, crazy or outlandish usually sparks this idea of uploading our consciousness and downloading Kung Fu. What I think would be crazy is if we could really understand each other in a way that would allow us to diffuse violence and be less prone to tribalism and less prone to uh, extremes of thought and opinion and lower, lessen our confidence that we are always right. You know, a, a bit more humility that we're probably mostly wrong. That to me would be the craziest thing is if Colonel could introduce higher dimensional information that actually allowed us humans to get along a little bit better and have a little less strife and a little less conflict. That's very wonderful and very inspiring. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. But just uh, and, and, and there's one, two questions of three left, but the first one about your way of thinking about life, because I think it's something. Yeah, honestly, I was thinking also about the life itself, and we have to, we will not live forever. So, but the, uh, the way you say that is it's like in fanatic game, you said that. But how do you see this kind of, this feeling that you want to be in a constant game or play or be fulfilled? Because, yeah, time, yeah, it's sometimes for our brain, we feel that we're here forever, but it's scary. And But I'm curious, how do you see this kind of infinite games? That What do you mean about that? Going back to the beginning of our conversation and trying to figure out what is really going on, we live in a time where we expect to be entertained every second of the day. And the most, we're in a competition of creating entertainment that other people subscribe to. And this is not the, this has not been the case. Uh, always for humanity. Different cultures have valued different things. It's just easy for us to imagine that this is how things have always been, but it's a ferocious competition to entertain. And that system doesn't lend itself easily 
towards thinking of longer term objectives that are not immediately accessible. Like, can I scroll through and see one more picture? Can I read one more post? Can I, you know, we're, we're trying to feed our, our dopamine systems every few seconds. And so what we're playing right now as a species is a finite game. We're playing for this near-term immediate uh, reward versus an infinite game is the only game people want to play is to keep on playing. And so if, if we were playing infinite games as a species, we would soberly assess, assess what things create the highest risk for our survival. What things create the highest risk to our health and wellness? And what things create the highest risk for our happiness? And then we would systematically work on those things. And we would create uh, dispositions where we would view this entertainment game as probably you know, a threat to those longer-term goals. And so hopefully what we're going through is a phase. And hopefully we will find uh, better versions of culture that point us towards these longer term objectives. And I hope again, that brain interfaces allow measurement that allow the systematic engineering of our cognitive experience, which then allows us to rebuild society in these longer term ways. Uh, but it really, to me, that every generation looks out at the horizon of their time and place and assesses the tools at their disposal, and then they make aspirational goals. And in the 60s, perhaps the biggest goal one could make would be going to the moon, that we had just reached a technological a potential threshold of being able to pull, uh, pull off something like that. Wasn't clear, but maybe. And now in the year, in the 2020s, I think if we survey the landscape of possibilities, I would put my finger on that no generation of humans have ever been able to look out over the time span of their lifetimes and been able to reasonably imagine that they could evolve into entirely novel forms of conscious experience. So novel that we can't even imagine them. And this is, this is real. This is, uh, the technologies are there for this to become a possibility. Uh, yet this is not one of our goals. And I think it should be the number one aspiration that, especially for our children, that when they're getting their education and they're starting to map their life goals, that this is the possibility that should drive all of us. Uh, 